Hello, everybody. Uh, welcome back to the Be Your Own News podcast. Um, today's episode, I have an interview with author LDS, who is a contemporary romance author who I met on TikTok. Um, I love her. Her energy just screams my people. Um, we'll get into the story a little bit in the episode, but she found me through my TikTok um, back when I talked about Aphrodite on TikTok and all my work with her. Of course, no spoilers. We'll, we'll get into that in the episode. Um, but her name is El Diaz and she booked a client session with me last year and she messaged me a few months later saying that the book she was working on that I helped her through the creative blocks, this is when I was just getting started with coaching people through creative blocks and the energetic um, energetic works around it and how to just like soothe the strain that creative blocks can create and the chokehold that they can have on her lives. Um, she booked that with me and she was telling me that she was working on this book and that she was a podcaster who was really, really passionate about romantic novels. And, um, and then she messaged me very recently saying, I finished the book. And I was like, oh my God, you've got to be on the podcast. Um, so El Diaz is a co-host of the podcast Makeout already and has just finished a book, her first romance novel, and is currently in the revision process. So in this episode, we get into all of that. You are absolutely in for a treat as well as we talk about some other spicy subjects. Just so you know, this is an episode where we do get into, we do get into it, something and we share some pretty vulnerable stories. It's it's amazing. I'm still flying high from that interview. Um, I do want to say that um, the doors to my new masterclass, Microdose Your Muse, are currently open. So think about that. Think about joining us for that. It is currently, um, today is Friday. The doors will be open next Saturday, August 6th. And I will have more details to come. So make sure you get on my mailing list. Make sure that you follow me for that. It's titled Microdose Your Muse, and it is all about managing your energy levels, um, sticking to lifestyle changes. If you ever feel like you just can't commit to lifestyle changes and you feel uninspired, drained, you feel like you need a little support and a little boost, as well as the tangible knowledge on the energetics and the strategy on how, on why these things keep happening, like failed launches, you know, you feel like all your work is just flopping. You feel like you're not hitting the right marks creatively. Um, and even with things like money and relationships, you feel like things aren't building for you. They're just kind of like you try and then they flop. And that's not necessarily a strategy problem. It's probably an energetics problem. I get into it in this masterclass. Stay tuned for that. Um, all the information is on my mailing list and on my Instagram. I won't keep you for too long because this episode is definitely a treat. So here we go. Hello, how are you? I am feeling good about this one. <laughs> I feel good about it. So nice. Me too. I, I do too. Um, so as I was saying about technical difficulties. Yeah. Um, so this interview started off with a couple of, of tech- technical hiccups. And I felt a huge shift recently um, in the way that I see technical difficulties. Because back in the day, back in my like scrappy content creator days, which feels like literally probably two weeks ago, um, mm-hmm. I started content creating like for realsies in 2017. Um, this was like, that was like when I switched from like, let's just kind of have fun and seek external validation on the internet. Like why not? Yeah. Right. Over to let's build a business. Let's like push our comfort zone. Let's like create a legacy. Like let's do something that we can be proud of. And that was really, really scary. But 
around that phase, I did a lot of collabs because that's a really good way to get out there and just kind of have fun and get out of your comfort zone. I remember every single, yeah, I remember every single technical difficulty would really trigger me and it would make me reconsider the whole thing. Um, And sometimes, depending on the person, if it was someone who I didn't really know that well, um, a technical difficulty, like they would just ghost, like they'd be like, you know, what? it's actually not worth this much trouble. If it's not easy, if it's not happening, like instantly, like, let's just not is what I'm assuming that they were thinking. Mm. Um, or it would make me just like stop trying or like if we couldn't find a time that worked with each other, like we just kind of gave up and stopped trying. And that's like something that's happened to me on a lot of podcast interviews. But a switch flipped very recently where I was like so excited every time there's a technical difficulty because I was like, ooh, then I get to see like how serious we are about this. Like it sounds yeah. really weird. It sounds really weird. But like the fact that neither of us were like deeply emotionally phased by this technical technical difficulty, we were just like, all right, let's go for it. I was like, wow, all right. So Liz yeah. is on board. I'm on board. Like it just makes you feel like, wow, I've come so far from back in the day when people just like ghost me on it. Oh, oh, oh my God. Just And we were literally troubleshooting it together. So mm-hmm. because you record on the platform that uh, Meg and I record on our podcast make out already. Mm-hmm. And we used to record directly in the app before we switched over to Zoom and then editing externally and uploading it, which in itself is a whole thing, you know, because Zoom mm-hmm. can crash. Once my power went out in the middle of recording, oh and I was like, what? Because yeah. we were so far into the episode. And thankfully, like, it just like automatically saved and it was on my desktop and we picked up where we left off and I merged it and it worked out fine. But I hear you that like, I don't know. I am grateful that the people who I usually with us, the problem is a scheduling Mm -hmm. difficulty or like a time zone. And then Mm -hmm. we have to reschedule, but the technical difficulties can be a little demoralizing yeah mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like it feels like everything literally everything is against you including your phone um but i just like noticed like a, a lightness around this issue because last interview i did as well there were technical difficulties but it was like fine <laughs> it's like yeah I, I feel like i've conquered the beast it's like whatever that's awesome yeah i so, love that me too <laughs> um so we you were talking about um last recording uh, before we had to restart again. We got to restart again. Yeah. Um, I asked you what was alive for you and like, what's the vibe? What's the scene? What's, um, and you were reflecting on the last time that we spoke. Yeah. So the vibe, the scene is the last time that we spoke. So you were doing market research and mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. followed your content for a while. And I had very much was in this place where I found you because of your content. I think the first video of yours that I saw, this is probably your video that blew up right about like, these are, I think it was, these are the books that Aphrodite wants you to read. That might have been Mm -hmm. the first one that Mm -hmm. I saw or one about like, here's what worshiping with work, worshiping Aphrodite, working with Aphrodite can mean. I was like, this is definitely like someone like I, I fucks with that. Mm -hmm. Um, I can curse on your podcast. Yes, please do. Please do. (laughs) Um, So I followed you and it was very much like, I want this girl to be my friend. Yeah, I so love I love that about the So eye. when you were doing market research, I was totally game, and uh, we had this really great chat. And then you had a coaching session with me, and it was specifically around creative blockages that I was having with this book that I was writing. That now is 
in its revision phase where I am releasing the cover this weekend on mm-hmm. July 31st and the release date for the actual book is still to come but I know when it is I I talked to an astrologer I did one of those like five dollar cool. for five minute sessions and I was like okay I have these two dates that I'm thinking about what do you think and she's like <laughs> oh this one is like there's a lot in retrograde but this one there's like a really good transit happening mm-hmm. um Venus is my career ruler she said mm. which I I kind of knew and it, it was a lot of astrology stuff that was like way above my understanding of <laughs> astrology but I was like okay I feel you I'm gonna go with that date even though it's a date like further in the future than originally I wanted originally I wanted to release the book this year and now I'm thinking I'm going to release it next year Ooh. because I think early next year next year because right now if I were to release it it would probably be like in October and I think that that's when everyone switches to wanting to read like spooky season books and Mm -hmm. cozy fall things so I think it's better suited for next year but that's like part of the process that's really interesting right now is figuring out the timing as a Mm -hmm. debut author yeah, like, I'm curious what your thought process is around the timing of, like, around um, the, the timing of it. Because this is, like, your baby. You've put so much work into these this book. Um, I'm curious, how do you choose? Yeah, like, what is your thought process on releasing it? Because, like, you, you can pick. I mean. Yeah. So I'm self-publishing, which is very common in the romance genre. Awesome. Even recently, like, maybe a decade ago self-publishing was kind of like you would just order a bunch of books and sell them out of the backseat of your car and people look down on it and now the most successful romance authors are Mm -hmm. either fully self-published or they started out self-published and then traditional publishing uh took notice of their success and some are still a mix of both they have some mm-hmm. of their indie titles and some of their contracted with traditional publisher titles. So it's funny talking about timing because mm-hmm. it's not just the timing of the release that's been fascinating to try to work through. It's that it took me eight years to write this book mm-hmm. and it took me a month to write this book <laughs> yeah I've heard that that's pretty I mean that's pretty common with what I see with people I work with as well as people in general like when you interview like those amazing successful artists like when you watch inter- I've watched a lot of interviews of like successful creative types and they typically say like all the same things like 10 years of life lived experience and then one week of like getting down and like churning it out <laughs> yeah absolutely so it started out for me about eight years ago as a NaNoWriMo project. And for anyone who doesn't know, NaNoWriMo stands for National Novel Writing Month. And it's in November. The goal is you write 50,000 words. And it's just a mad dash, like write a novel, a short novel in this amount of time. So I was really into, it was a completely different genre at the time right so I was really into dystopian stuff like everyone else at the time because in the United States as someone pretty privileged Mm -hmm. I wasn't currently living in a dystopia Mm -hmm. um now I'm less into dystopian stuff because I just have to read the news Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
uh it's like black mirror stopped making episodes because it's like we're living it now (laughs) yeah there's like no absolutely no reason uh i tell people like go and read hank green's duology because Mm -hmm. he wrote in the second book in that two-parter about basically the med what facebook is trying to do and my god and crypto and it was like before any of this was announced and it's it's wild. Um, oh I really God. recommend that series. They have really long names. Um, I think the first one is an absolutely remarkable thing. And the second one is a beautifully foolish endeavor. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the only kind of speculative fiction, vaguely dystopian for the second book that I would currently recommend. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, the book originally was... I was following the stigma on mental illness to this extreme conclusion of, well, if all the ills in society are related to mental illness, if that's what people want to claim, and then you Mm -hmm. criminalize being mentally ill, then Mm -hmm. what happens is you have to be mentally well as currency, as being able to function in society. So actually talking about it now. I understand what I was trying to do with that book a lot more now than that I was did the premise of your then. book. That was the premise before. It was oh, okay. going to be a therapist living in a time when you kind of had to pass a mental health test, like a driver's test almost. Mm. And talking about it now, I could probably write that book now and it would be fire but mm-hmm. but I didn't know what I was doing with it then I just had kind of this vague idea and it was like make it dystopian make it like futuristic and it took me so long to realize that the idea wasn't working because it wasn't resonating mm. so now the book I got really into contemporary romance. The podcast that I co-host, Make Out Already, is about contemporary romance. So for like the first four years, this book was a completely different genre. I'd written this big, messy chunk of it during NaNoWriMo and then would keep wanting to come back to it but not be able to figure it out. And then something a switch got flipped where I realized this needs to be a romance novel. Literally the only thing about this book that is not absolute trash, throw it in the garbage is the (laughs) two main characters. Uh, So that's kind of where everything shifted for me, where I wrote like, 80,000 words of a very rough, very unorganized first draft. That took me about a year. Mm-hmm. And then I kind of let it stagnate. I'd come back to it when I had an idea in the shower. Yeah, um, classic. Yeah. And then this year, I got serious about it, started revising from page one instead of jumping all over the place. I focused on hitting all these story beats that you need to see in romance and getting on the core of these characters and their relationship. And then I did a developmental editor or read the book. Uh, That I gave myself a deadline of like, okay, I'm going to book this out three weeks in advance so that I have to finish. Mm-hmm. Wow. And 
And in that time, I finished it and I had three other people read it and give me feedback and I made changes based on that feedback. So now I'm working on revisions from the developmental editor and revealing the cover this weekend and announcing a release date with enough time. So the answer to the original question is the timing depends on building up the platform because I have this amazing platform with the podcast as Mm -hmm. Liz, but now I'm working to build this platform as L Diaz, which is my pseudonym for this book. Oh, cool. Cool. So is this your first? Okay. I know that you've been writing for a long time. Is this your first published book? yes okay that's really exciting because you have this platform where you talk about romance novels contemporary romance Mm -hmm. and you have listeners and like you just have this this energy current that's building and building and building and then now you are completing this thing that you've put so much energy into it's got to be like so cathartic to just like have this physical book that's gonna like go out into the world how does is, is that is that how you're feeling yeah it feels like I was telling my friends about this and I don't know if they understood what I meant, but it feels like everything in my life that I have been working on, especially with, and we can get into the Aphrodite of it all, Mm -hmm. has been about like being able to allow myself to be seen, first of all, because I had a lot of fear for years around being seen, around being Mm -hmm. too much, around if I am too much, if I reveal too much about myself, will people use that against me Mm. somehow? So starting the podcast was a big way that I overcame that. And Mm -hmm. now putting my work, like writing a book and giving it to people, it's like ripping your heart out and giving it to someone, having them scrutinize and expect and hope they don't, like, squeeze the life out of you. So much vulnerability. Even if it's, like, not... It's a fiction book, so you think that, like, it's... No, but still, I used to think that, like, something that's, like, not about you, technically, is less vulnerability, but really it's it's up to the individual person. Like, that's still a ton Mm -hmm. of vulnerability. That's awesome. It's so vulnerable. And it's funny what you say about a fiction not being about you because anytime that sent someone an excerpt they try to figure out like what in my real life inspired this what's Mm. behind it and that's not necessarily to me how it works because like we're shaped by all of our experiences right like Mm -hmm. every character in the book is me none of the characters in the book are me every character in the Mm. book is everyone who I've ever met there's like references to the most random one-off conversations I've had with people and the stuff that's completely made up and it's it's impossible to say like like fiction is the lie that tells the truth right Mm -hmm. so it's not that the book is in any way autobiographical but it is autobiographical in the sense that anyone who writes fiction they think is ultimately trying to capture a part of the human experience mm-hmm. so i want it to feel autobiographical biographical for anyone who reads it yeah it's like an essence of you it's like the parts that make you you made another thing it's like a like a baby <laughs> mm-hmm. exactly. that's really cool yeah that's 
so um, I'm curious about the emotional waves that have gone through this. So you got into, um, obviously it's not easy to just like write out a book. There's been plenty of times in my life where I thought like, oh, creating this thing should be easy. You just need to sit down and do it. But then the emotions start to bubble up and then the emotions will sometimes like manifest as like, I'm busy this week or like, I don't really feel like it anymore. Or like I lost interest or mm-hmm. just stuff like that. Like that's what I've like, has that been your experience where the emotional waves come up and down and sometimes you're like so in love with your book and sometimes you're like oh my gosh that thing I totally forgot about that and (laughs) what what had what emotional wave did you ride throughout the years that it took to write this oh so for me the big excuse was how does book how do story what (laughs) our structure and it's like I literally review romance novels on a podcast every Mm. week I studied literature I studied creative writing I know Mm -hmm. how fiction works I I mean I know how it feels to like think about something so much that you just like are confused and forget about it that makes sense like like what (laughs) it it, like starts to become meaningless after you look at it so much um I do have a quick like like little mini question within Mm -hmm. what you just said um you talked about how you you okay so you review um uh, books on your podcast mm-hmm. do you feel like that scrutiny or like I don't like I don't think you're like super harsh or anything but like do you feel like it's easier to judge or review a book than it is to write one like did you find yourself being overly critical of yourself because of your experience in reviewing other books does that make sense that's such an interesting question yeah so I am not overly critical of the books that we read we kind of try to stick to books that Meg and I both liked and Meg this is no shade on her because she will acknowledge (laughs) that she's usually the one who has more grievances than I do and usually Mm -hmm. when we have grievances it's not about the writing or the author so much as the characters where we're Mm -hmm. scrutinizing the relationship that's on page Uh uh-huh okay yeah uh, so we have segments like worst half where we decide like, okay, which of the two people in a pairing, if it's a monogamous pairing and not something poly, who is the person who like does not deserve the other person? <laughs> cool. Um, so looking at it that way, yeah, it's a lot easier to criticize myself than it is to criticize other people because mm-hmm. on the one hand, I have compassion for like, I can see what you're trying to do as a I can see who would like this, even if it's something that wasn't 100% resonating for me. But with my stuff, it's like, I have to go up against, like, I have read what is out there that is incredible. Mm, And that mm -hmm. makes me feel like I, these are the people who I, I want to be mentioned in the same sentence as these people. Oh, cool. So I better like step my pussy up oh my gosh okay so how okay so would you say that in your journey of getting this book created and like out there would you say that you've experienced times where you're like well if it's not as good as this very experienced author who I adore it's not even worth it and I should just give up like did that emotion or that thought occur to you yeah I'm sure that lots of times that occurred to me I'm trying to think if there's any specific moment where I felt that really strongly but it was more like it I I have these moments where I read back something that I wrote and I think like I wrote this this is really good and other moments Mm -hmm. where I read something back and it's like I 
delete, delete, delete. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, I, it wasn't so much that, like, I felt like it's not even worth it if it's not as good as these people. It's, it was so, it was actually kind of motivating. Like, okay, Mm -hmm. I need, I, I need to figure out whatever it is that is stopping it from being as good as that person. Mm Mm-hmm. So then you would, like, in that moment, would you go to your technique or, like, because you said if it's not as good, like, do you would you kind of worry about your technique or, like, try to fix your technique halfway through writing or anything like that? Like, hmm. is that a technical thing? I guess it's a technical thing in that what I've struggled with the most is story structure. So there's only two rules in the romance genre. If you call your book a romance and it doesn't hit these two rules, then someone who reads it is going to be very mad and write you very <laughs> angry reviews. So romance yeah. has to have a central relationship that is the primary focus of the book. There can be subplots and all manner of shenanigans that happen in the background and around these characters, and they can have their own story arcs. But central relationship that ends with the central relationship in a happily ever after after or happy for now situation so a lot of people think that romance means bodice ripper that romance means sex on page they're 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 amish romances so nice yeah (laughs) so as long as it fits that happily ever after hea or hfn happy for now criteria then it's a romance and sometimes there's like a cliffhanger romance where the author's like okay this is part of a series so it might not get the hea now but the hea is coming in the series Uh, and that's kind of like a gray area yeah (laughs) stay tuned Uh, for the happy touchy feelies (laughs) yeah so you know how when you watch a rom-com that there are specific moments like there's a meet cute and then they get to know each other and then there's some kind of misunderstanding and there's a grand gesture of running through the airport or holding up the boom box. Yeah, classic. Yeah, so you have to hit beats in romance writing, not necessarily just rom-coms. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, my process was really about getting to the root of like, okay, but what is happening in these people's relationships what is happening in their own personal baggage that is causing this if i'm writing a sex scene what about this sex scene complicates or deepens the relationship because it's not meant to be just titillating Mm -hmm. each each sex scene in a romance novel that has on page sex should move the plot forward yeah yeah i used to be um more into contemporary romance I, nothing against it I just I, there's been so many books that I've read that I feel like things are thr- this is not just romance this is like mm-hmm. all books where like these scenes are just like gratuitous and they're just like kind of thrown in mm-hmm. and after the first time you're tricked and you're like nice awesome sex scene good job mm-hmm. and then the next time you're like wait but like why why like there needs to like especially book readers like they love to ask why and they love to like feel things move forward like personally I'm not like personally I've read 50 shades of gray I could not finish it because I felt personally like there was no character progression I'm like oh my god we're going on all these adventures and the characters are not changing as people it's like did that not change you like what and like yeah the, the reader was going on this journey but the characters were like just kind of 
left behind. And that was too frustrating for me. So I love that you just gave me closure. It's like, yes, that's how it should be. Yeah. So Fifty Shades of Grey was in this really interesting it has this interesting place in pop culture where I haven't read Fifty Shades of Grey at this point. It's I don't like think a, you need to. <laughs> it's like a it's kind of a badge of honor. Like I just refuse to. And if you like Fifty Shades of Grey, if Fifty Shades of Grey was your entry into romance, if Fifty Shades of Grey opened you up sexually, that's mm-hmm. awesome. More mm-hmm. power to you, honestly. Agreed. But I I love that Fifty Shades brought people into the romance genre. I hate that people hear that you're writing a romance and they're like, oh, like Fifty Shades of Grey. Like, it did not invent genre. Yeah. It, it isn't even, like, the best example of the genre. It's not the best example of the BDSM subgenre. Like, Absolutely. If you, if you want BDSM, go to someone like Sierra Simone or Tiffany Rice because those authors can do BDSM like whew. yeah <laughs> um but it's kind of like Twilight caused this whole there is very much a Twilight to romance pipeline mm. <laughs> and Twilight which was 50 shades of gray fan fiction isn't like good but it brought a lot of people in and it showed like this audience, especially young women, young femme presenting people, non-binary people, they are a market that you should take seriously. Yeah, because they enjoy things too. Like they <laughs> have needs and desires and dreams and hopes and like and free time mm-hmm. that they want to delegate to specific things. Like I think about that a lot. It's like everybody enjoys like a good story. The yeah. good story can be about anything, but like don't that's just something I feel really passionate about. It's like never yeah. take any market not seriously. Exactly. But yeah. And to your point about the sex, there is a subgenre that is erotic romance where mm-hmm. it's like if you took out all the sex, there wouldn't really be a book. Mm-hmm. And there's romance with the erotica is like you take out the sex and there's no book erotic romance is like you take out the sex and there's still kind of a book and then romance is like if you take out the sex everything is still pretty much intact Uh... so there's different levels of it there's no like okay if you have this many sex scenes then it goes from romance to erotic romance i think that a lot of romance now is erotic romance different heat levels um but if you're into that whole like no plot necessary just vibes just both yeah there are authors <laughs> who write that and they market it that way and i love that if that's what you're in the mood for you can find it and if you're in the mood for something else then you can find something else and people are really able to pinpoint okay, my book has these tropes, it has this heat level, it's if you're in the mood for this, this, and this, and everyone gets something in the genre that mm-hmm. they like. So, yeah. yeah. I, okay, I've actually found a book um, my husband and I were going to, this is like for the person who like is interested in getting into your world. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever heard of this book. My husband and I like walked into like a used bookshop and I found a book that was um, a book of erotica. I think is what they technically called mm-hmm. it. Um, and it's called pleasures and it's a book of short story. Okay. I just wanted to look up the author pleasures. Um, 
it's a it's a uh, what's the word a book of many short stories by different writers mm, uh, an anthology called, yes so it's called mm-hmm. pleasures women write erotica is the name mm-hmm. of it and it's downstairs in my bookshelf and i'd run and get it right now but it's noisy down there um <laughs> but i found it and it's like the perfect place for um women non-binary feminine presenting people because it's like li- lots of little stories that they're short and essentially mm-hmm. if you took out the sex scene then it's like there's no really it's like probably yeah. people just having a nice picnic or something uh-huh. <laughs> um like just people going and getting horses at the stable and that's it yeah in the end anyway um but I thought that that was like a really good because like erotica and like that whole scene felt like something that a lot of women were enjoying and loving and raving mm-hmm. on about but it felt like I was something a genre that I wasn't invited to it's like how that felt like it was mm-hmm. I never found my spot like I read 50 shades and I felt like at the time I was the only person I knew who didn't enjoy it mm-hmm. um and like it it was just I don't know like I I have like ugh. I just feel like I never was welcome in it but like I, I found that book and it's just like a great beginner point because all the book yeah. stories are short you don't have to get super invested in a character you hate or like or you know anything like that but that's a book that i'd recommend to anybody listening who just like wants to get started it's called pleasures women write erotica and there's heat levels definitely vary some of them are really gentle and some of them not so much um so i i had a positive experience with that yeah there's this annual anthology i think it's still being published i'm not sure but it's called best women's erotica and they have erotic short stories by different authors there's also a collection that came out recently called aphrodite and bloom so you can guess why i picked it up Mm -hmm. but um it's all by one author and it's anonymous and yeah yeah (laughs) and i find it so intriguing it has this beautiful cover but erotic anthologies or romance anthologies because there's lots of those out too are really good for pinpointing what it is that you like and then you can start exploring longer books or stick with the short stuff and there's so many like romance novellas um that are really fast reads oh my god that's like a whole subject that i'm sure is like not i really want to like focus on you and like how you wrote this book but like yeah yeah because otherwise i'm gonna be like let's talk about alien romance and monster romance no because i feel you just touched on something that i feel so passionate about which is like how do we get particularly like women female presenting like non-binary people people who resonate with the term women women and Mm -hmm. feminine how do we get them to like explore their sexuality and why are books like the safest place to do that Mm -hmm. because I remember this is like a little vulnerable share on my end but I remember when I found 50 shades of gray I my friend and I both read it together I didn't like it. I thought the characters were really frustrating. I thought the mm-hmm. sex scenes were like, I just couldn't get, I couldn't get into it. So I yeah. didn't finish it. And a friend of mine, um, she loved it. And she said like, let's watch the movie together. Watch the movie. Still kind of boring. I think I fell uh-huh. asleep at one point, whatever. And then she was like, well, you just need to like actually go to uh, like a BDSM club. I know one, let's go. And we went and it was like, I, okay. So there's like a phase in my life where I was like 19 years old and I was going to BDSM clubs pretty regularly and personally, it was it was not BDSM in and of itself. It was mm-hmm. the people, it was the setting, it was the energy that we were going in. Like the, it was um like pretty traumatizing. Not because really? of the, not because of BDSM in and of itself. Because mm-hmm. I know you can make it what you want. Like you can go hard or not. Yeah. But that's just something that like I wish I felt like I was deprived of. Was like I was just like thrown into the deep end in this like super huge. I mean, consent was always enforced and like all that kind of stuff, but. 
to me, I'm like, man, I wish I could just like go back and like let myself read a better BDSM book first before yeah. like feel like that's just been the story of my life is like get got thrown in the deep end and then I had to like reestablish my nervous system later. And so like it definitely ruins some parts of sexuality for me that I'm like still healing from. And that is like what led me into my work with Aphrodite is because I have a lot of trauma in that area. So um, if there's anyone out there like me who is like, I just never really got into BDSM or it seems scary to me or something, like know that there are people out there who are just like living and loving it and like mm-hmm. will probably help you if you want to be helped, but don't feel like you're missing anything if you aren't into it. But if there's like, there's like, there's gotta be some gaps where we can like bridge these gaps with, that's where I feel like women, rom- like erotica novels come in and like romance novels come in. It's like someone took some way for people to explore this super tender vulnerable part of their lives safely with a author who gets it and like yeah. gets them and like that's something that I feel really that's why I'm so excited that you're here because I'm like Ugh. <laughs> yeah okay there's so much I want to talk about related to this so one thing that really frustrates me on TikTok which I'm obsessed with TikTok as you Love know <laughs> is um there's so much discourse of like well, I'm a top or I'm a bottom or I'm uh, a switch. And I don't necessarily think that for everyone, it's quite so cut and dry. And mm-hmm. I think that like, maybe this is the 50 shades effect. Maybe it isn't, but like not everyone who is into, and I'm not super well, I haven't been to a dungeon for one thing. I'm mm-hmm. not super well-versed in BDSM as a lifestyle as like being in a 24-7 BDSM relationship Uh but not everyone who is into kink is into kink for every sexual encounter Uh so I think that one way that romance is really helpful is that it can show you the full spectrum of human sexuality and different ways Uh that this person gets off with this person and how mm-hmm. what worked in one relationship might not work in another relationship. And it is a really safe place to explore. Whenever someone says they want to get into the genre and they want a recommendation, the first thing that I ask them is like, okay, well, what is your spice tolerance? Um, mm-hmm. Are you okay with seeing sex on page or do you prefer what's called a closed door romance of fade to black like the kind of books where like either it ends with a kiss like a rom-com does or mm-hmm. um we know that they have a sexual relationship but we don't see the act it's discussed after the fact mm-hmm. um and either i can tell fine. you're such a good author i can totally tell you. you're such a good author just by the way you speak and describe these things that like i have no prior experience with like the deep knowledge of i can just already tell that your book is amazing Thank you. Um, I think that is because I have this conversation so much where I've had, especially dudes, say like, well, romance is just like porn for women. It's like, one, it's not just porn for women, but even if it were, like the whole world is porn for men. Mm. So, I was going like, to say something like that, but you said yeah. it better. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like let women who want it have it, mm-hmm. but also like, it's so much more than that. And I, you still see like discourse happen where people are like, well, like romance isn't literature. And it's like, yeah, it is. Like, it's freaking. Yeah. No, people don't take, there are people who don't take romance seriously who think that anyone could write it, who think that something that follows a formula 
does not could not possibly have any kind of literary merit and that's just insane because like something having structure like anything has structure anything follows even like a three-act structure like formulas exist because they create a framework in which you can make something wholly unique Okay, yeah. So I will mention just on the form, just to only speak to the formula thing. I, when I first started doing all my creative endeavors, teaching yoga, like anytime I make something with my hands, like podcasting, coaching, like literally course creating, anything that I do, I started off with this like chip on my shoulder of like, I don't need a formula. I'm going to speak from my soul, like, et cetera, et cetera. And that's great. But I've also gotten to this like really humbling moment in my career where I find that structure provides like the space and the freedom to be creative and be Mm -hmm. effective and like it's like okay so like another analogy is my husband's a teacher and sometimes he could just like freestyle a math lesson (laughs) or he could be (laughs) like I need to hit these specific points but the things that happen in between are totally inventive and creative Mm -hmm. like I grew up being really into theater and improv and there's a structure to improv but mm-hmm. like every moment is still unique. And like, that's just a huge thing that I've realized. Like, so if you're a creative and you're trying to find the balance between like structure versus like freestyling it, I found that like completely just like, like, I, I feel like, like um, being completely inventive and in the moment is like such a little magical treasure that happens on top of the ice cream sundae that is the structure and the formula and every book. I'm pretty sure Harry Potter has a formula. I'm not entirely sure what it is, but like, yeah from what I've heard, like the, those, those books that seem so whimsical and like, oh my God, I can't believe she made that up. Like do follow a structure because if you don't follow a structure, I can speak from experience. You get incredibly burnt out and you put so much pressure on your mind to just like come up with new whimsical things and you're flying by the seat of your pants and you feel so ungrounded. Like that was a mm-hmm. huge lesson that I learned because I felt like I was just too creative and whimsical to come up with structure. But now I see they both serve one and the other. So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like, if you're a painter, you do have a structure. It's the canvas. Mm-hmm. So, like, you still have this framework that you work within. And, like, one example that I think is useful for people to wrap their minds around how a structure is still, how romance is literary, is, like, I tell people, Gone Girl is kind of a romance. Mm-hmm. If you think about it, there's a central relationship and it ends with... There's a happy ever after, right? There's a happy ever after. (laughs) If you look look at it a certain way, like these characters are messed up enough that like something about this works for them. So they end up together. together. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) They choose each other. So, and then like, there's this great little book called Romancing the Beat by Gwen Hayes, How to Write Kissing Books. And it talks about the beats that you hit in romance i'm not going to go through the entire table of contents but to give you an example so you can see like how much you can do within this there's the meet cute no way number one that's like oh yeah no way that we can be together because like i don't believe in love or Mm. i live in a different dimension Mm -hmm. um (laughs) then adhesion phase two falling in love no way number two the inkling deepening desire maybe this time which is where someone starts Mm. getting to the point where they think like oh maybe like something about this relationship will be different and then toward the end you get to the dark night of the soul the breakup and then the wake up and smell the coffee moment which is like where 
the characters internalize everything that they have learned about themselves in this relationship and they figure out the missing piece that will make this relationship click or that makes them realize that this is the relationship mm-hmm. for them. And like there's first of all, there's a lot that needs to happen. It's not like a very easy formula to follow. Mm-hmm. There's a lot you need to hit. And there's so much freedom within that that like why how would romance not be literary? Yeah, it just seems like a silly argument to me. Yeah. I haven't even told you what my book is about now. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I can't. I, that was, I thought that was going to be one of my first questions, but then we got into too. so much other good stuff. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so the book, it's called How That Makes You Feel. And the main character, Camila, she is a therapist. She's divorced. She's happily divorced. She is living her best life, but she's also in recovery from borderline personality disorder. Mm-hmm. And borderline personality disorder, you usually hear about it in the media in, as being this uncontrollable thing. Anyone with borderline personality disorder is toxic. You don't want to be in a relationship with them. Um, it gets thrown around in court cases. It's just so horribly stigmatized. And you could go down a whole other thing about personality disorders and whether a personality can inherently be disordered and who Mm. says that a personality is disordered like what would a not disordered personality look like Mm -hmm. is it just like someone who functions really well in capitalism Mm. um so she is in she's this amazing therapist who has extra compassion because of what she's been through and her own mental health struggles But because her mental illness is about having these heightened emotions that in her experience have made being in relationships deeply painful for her, she kind of keeps relationships with men very much on the surface and very much physical. And she has no interest in being in a relationship that might trigger her. She's just focused on her friendships and her work and... Mm -hmm keeping her life very structured in a way that we realize is not so much that healthy. Like she's, she's preventing herself from feeling intense emotions for her mental health, but she's preventing herself from feeling some of the good intense emotions too. And then the hero, his name is Zach and he moves back home to Pittsburgh after his mother's death. His mother was an alcoholic she was emotionally neglectful they were estranged so he's going through very complicated grief because it was his mother and he loved her and he thought that they would have more time maybe to repair their relationship and now that's gone and he's back home for his teenage sister who is in her senior year of high school and he's her guardian he's watching he's running the family jewelry store and he never intended to come back to Pittsburgh. He spent a year recently traveling internationally, trying to eat, pray, Mm -hmm. love himself. Yeah. And now suddenly he is back in this city where a lot happened to him, both in his family and in his first romantic relationships that 
he has not fully come to terms with and healed from. So they have this meet cute at a local arts festival and sparks fly right away. It turns out they have a mutual friend. They hit it off immediately. They kind of get into this will they, won't they, friends with benefits situation. And as much as they try to keep things casual and keep this as like a summer fling, things continue to get deeper and they come out of their shells with each other. And what I'm trying to explore in this book is can two works in progress make it work? Mm. like do you have to be like your most fully realized best self to be in a relationship or is it enough that you are trying is it enough Mm. that you are better than you were before and I want to show people who this would get into spoiler territory but sufficient (laughs) to say that both Camila and Zach in their previous relationships have done some fucked up shit Mm -hmm. and have maybe internalized that they're not worthy of love Mm. so like can people change and if you weren't good at relationships before can you become better at relationships which spoilers i think that you can Mm -hmm. i think so too yeah wow it's about grief and mental illness and dating after divorce which is not something that I've experienced but I have friends who are experiencing it now who have read the book and have given me great feedback on it and just finding yourself as a person and accepting the totality of your experiences wowza that's <laughs> a awesome I mean I still feel like I want to read the book because sometimes you hear the synopsis and you're like with some books or movies like I feel like with like a lot of movies that come out and I'm like okay like you told me the synopsis like okay I don't need to watch it but now I'm like I feel like you just described a journey that I am also so curious about like what does it mean to be a work in progress Mm -hmm. that's like okay so like okay hang on like pause for me whenever I talk about self-love and like love yourself blah 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 Mm -hmm. so many people have said to me throughout my career like you know, the problem I have with the self-love movement is that I deserve to be loved even if I don't love myself. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, wow, this is a great conversation. Like, let's keep having it because there's not one thing I can say to you that would convince you of, like, why you should still be working on self-love. And yes, you do still deserve love. Yes, you can mm-hmm. find a happy, like, you know, a happy relationship. And when I announced that I was pregnant on social media, I got comments, like, throughout my pregnancy of people being like, I just feel like this is something that I've told myself that I can never have. Like I could just never be happy and like have a baby in a secure partnership. Mm-hmm. And that, I mean like that mental emotional journey, I feel like your book in a different way and like a fictional story explores that in this like journey. It's not just like a, a thing you can just like summarize and you're like, okay, I pretty much got the gist of it. Yeah. But it's like this whole journey that like the reader needs to go on with the author. And like, it feels like you're like a space holder. Do you know what your human design is? Have we talked about this? <laughs> Um, we haven't talked about it. I think I took the quiz once and I think I'm a manifesting generator and I don't know anything about it. Okay. That's fine. I was just curious. Um, I'm a manifesting generator as well. I think it means that you're, you're successful no matter what you do. Um, but cool. Well, I mean, that's true with everybody. I truly, like the whole point of human design is like all humans were born to thrive and succeed. Mm -hmm. Um, 
manifesting generators like you're just a good energy conductor and you are meant to do multiple things and manifesting generators need to like bounce off of something else to create as opposed to different types um that's a whole other can of beans i was just curious yeah that Um, does resonate though good yeah no we could totally get into that um but totally definitely get into that for another day for now i like i'm still thinking about the synopsis of your podcast oh my god your podcast your book that's awesome so i'm so glad to hear it because i felt like that was such a convoluted synopsis compared to what i have actually like nicely written down for the back cover but yeah we love we love the scrappiness here i mean people can read the back of your cover when it's time to read it but this is like a podcast you know like this is this is this is where we we get yeah raw we get real um there are so many things that i will say on the podcast that i have too afraid to say like on an instagram caption or my website so yeah <laughs> that's what we're here i think for. it's because a podcast is more of a time commitment and then like if you don't have a transcript then you have to like go back and like write it down but an instagram caption is just like out there very easy mm-hmm. to find very easy um so where does your work with aphrodite and give like a little quick overview of what that means when someone says like to work with aphrodite what Mm -hmm. in your definition what does that mean where does this novel come in place of that so i started the novel way before my work with aphrodite i Mm -hmm. so at the beginning of the pandemic there was the bread making path which i did not go on Mm. and then there was like plants and witchcraft and i chose plants and witchcraft Mm -hmm. so i got very into learning about paganism and pagan religions and i was very drawn to the greek gods and this is okay you just bring this out of me where I'm just going to tell the story, like whatever, it's fine. Yay. <laughs> but I got, I got really into paganism and I was reading all the like beginner books and trying to figure out my spirituality and still you and I have talked about how I'm also an ex Mormon. So mm-hmm. it was all very like, I was curious about world religions and the concept of deity in other religions, but I was also terrified because this felt like, Maybe I haven't been in a Christian church in, like, 15 years, but this still feels like, holy crap, this is, like, a whole Mm. other, like, it feels like I'm taking this step that's really scary if I go down there. So I wasn't really, like, about deity worship, but I was Mm -hmm. definitely deity curious. Mm -hmm. And my friend Jay, who I met because we live in the same city, and she... She's Jay Marie Luna on TikTok. And she has this great little online witchcraft store with like crystals and tarot readings. And we met up and she asked me, do you work with any deities? And I said, no, because I don't, because this and that, and I'm not sure. And she told me after the fact, like I felt the presence of Aphrodite I felt the presence that like I had felt previously when I'd done self-love workings and I just like felt that around you but I don't think that you were ready to receive that yet Mm. and then I started seeing like in that meeting with her a bee landed on my hand and I was like 
not freaking out and maybe it was just because I wanted to like look cool in front of my new friend (laughs) but I was like normally I would have freaked out and I just like let the bee just kind of hang out and it was so weird like bees had never bees are around me all the time now but bees had never been drawn to me no one had ever landed on me and we were just kind of joking about like oh look at all these signs that we're getting and then I went home looked up what do bees represent what deities are associated with bees because i was already receptive to that idea and Mm -hmm. one of the ones that came up was aphrodite and i'm like Mm -hmm. okay file that away because it felt too it felt too on the nose it felt too obvious like i have a romance novel podcast Mm -hmm. i love talking about love and relationships I'm writing a romance novel. I used to have a beauty YouTube channel that's not live anymore. Like, my deity can't be the goddess of love and beauty. That's, like, too basic. That's Mm. too... Yeah. Like, no, it's got to be someone, like, cool and edgy, like Hecate. And then I picked up the Pagan Portals book about Aphrodite and read it. And just everything sort of started fit where it made sense to me like I do want this energy in my life I do want to lead with love I do want to be someone who is confident and who is alluring who's got this Marilyn Monroe quality Mm -hmm. you know like I feel like Marilyn Monroe was a very aphrodisian Mm -hmm, figure mm -hmm. definitely and I just really vibed with that energy and started you know I have a little it's not little. It's like a foot tall. I have an Aphrodite statue on my altar. Oh, cool. I, I light candles for her. I love romance retellings or contemporary retellings of Greek myths. <laughs> and the yeah. ones that I've read, like Keep Me Close by RM Virtues, has Aphrodite as a black trans woman and awesome. former sex worker who owns like a club that is like a very positive sex worker environment and that version of Aphrodite is like this vigilante who rescues people from human trafficking mm, I love and that and it's this like badass and I'm like yeah that I feel like that's how I see her and I see her in all these different people and I now I'm just rambling, but yeah. No, so I, I totally no. Yep. <laughs> my the the TLDR of Aphrodite and my work is that I feel like since I have been meditating on this energy, on this archetype of Aphrodite, whether like whether deities are real, tangible entities or not, I think that it's very powerful to work with an idea. Mm-hmm. And to work with an energy. And I think that she has made me more confident in my writing. Mm-hmm. More willing to show up for myself by being disciplined enough to work in my writing. Mm-hmm. And has allowed me to be a lot less inhibited. And I also think that like my writing is just a lot fucking prettier. Yeah. You know, like I write stuff that's just like that makes people swoon. Like I've gotten feedback from people like your book is just really pretty. Yeah. No, that's like okay, so that was a huge lesson for me. Um, because well you when you said like 
oh, it's a little too basic. Like it's a little too on the nose that Mm -hmm. you would be approached by Aphrodite. I mean, on one hand, I'm like, yeah, of course you're attractive and magnetic to her because you already represent the the ways that she works through people Mm -hmm. is like through beauty. And that's something that you're already like an open channel for is creativity, beauty, sensuality, romance, Mm -hmm. et cetera. Like you're already a channel for that. But it feels like working with Aphrodite feels like, okay, keep doing what you're doing anyway. But it feels like there's more of a holistic approach to it, meaning you are giving romance to yourself as well as to your readers. You are giving beauty to yourself as well as to the people around you. And for me, I've noticed that like I didn't prioritize beauty for the sake of beauty around me because it felt like a waste of money, a waste of time. Mm-hmm. Like just like it was, it was superficial, like why do I need everything in my life to be pretty? Like, why do I need to have branding? Why do I need to, but like, I have done such a 180 on that ever since that like, I love things that just feel pretty. Like they, Mm -hmm. like things can look pretty, but they have to feel pretty first. And I feel like it just kind of hit me yesterday. Like my, my, my nervous system is just like so much more open to beauty and just so much more appreciative of pretty things. That It really actually has changed for my life when it comes from like a deep, place which is where Aphrodite likes to work with people it's like in a deep deep level versus like superficial it has to be pretty because someone else is looking and I think that's what so for me the the way that um I don't think I share this on my TikTok but I have like a whole for those who don't know I have a whole playlist on TikTok about my work with Aphrodite um I have a whole podcast episode that's actually my most downloaded podcast Mm -hmm. episode is the one where I talk about how I found Aphrodite and what the hell I'm talking about when I talk about Aphrodite worship it's a good one thank you um but yeah I like checked the staff I like took a break from like looking at podcast stuff and then like I like I think my baby August was like four months old or no like three months old and I looked at it and I was like holy shit like that one is like (laughs) by far the most listened to um anyhow um I I found I started to go deep into that work when I was trying to have a baby but it was just like not working and it was really mm-hmm. frustrating and I felt like my baby my body was failing me and I felt like I was failing myself and I was just like really stressed out and that's when I started to get like these pulls to like just chill out and like be more sensual with your time and just like be more grateful for your body and like appreciate beauty and open up your nervous system because you have not experienced i said this in the aphrodite podcast like you have not seen pain or pleasure yet like you think you have but you have so much more to come and you need to get ready for it yeah Um, and then that was when i was like why can't i get pregnant and now i've like experienced completely natural childbirth with no drugs whatsoever i can (laughs) say like that definitely prepared me like to to receive something so beautifully painful as as that and like i'm just Ugh, I'm just so grateful for my life now because it's just so delicious and beautiful. And um, whew, like I, I would recommend that. I mean, so when, when I use the word deity worship, like on TikTok, I get a lot of questions from people on TikTok comments being like, am I doing this right? Or how do I know if, and really the baseline, the baseline is like, how do you view pleasure, um, romance, love, creativity, like one thing that I say to myself a lot is like, oh, I don't need to prioritize romance. Like when, when the way that society talks about romance, I don't need that because I'm married. And then I'm like, bitch, what? Like that is literally the most, like, cause I feel like people from my perspective as a married person, single people are always like, how do I get more romance in my life? How do I get more ro-? like, are people who are like in like old, you know, like the, the fire is gone yeah. ro- marriages. They're like, how do I get, how do I spark the fire again? And like Evan and I are like, we're pretty good. Like we're happy, but I'm like, so I keep thinking like, oh, I don't need this. And I'm like, that's just like a subconscious, like ugly belief that pops up. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Like everybody needs it. Everybody needs yeah. intimacy. Everybody needs beauty. What is your, and also like, what is the relationship 
with that? Like, what is your relationship with that? And, and make, how do you feel about beauty for beauty's sake? And just the feelings that come up and the conversations that you can have with people and the way that you can help them is like never ending. So how would you say that you, I guess you, you touched on like how that has improved your book. I, I, I love that you mentioned like you've gotten less inhibited and mm-hmm. more like, um, I feel like there's like a level of support is what you're saying. Like when you work with a deity, there's like support. You're not doing this by yourself. There's somebody who, who sees you even when you feel like nobody else sees you. That's the way that I see it. Yeah. I feel like I'm now working and living from a framework where it's easier for me and I'm more aware of looking for the beauty and the good and what's lovable in everyone. So Mm -hmm. that's why I can write these incredibly flawed characters who like five years ago, 10 years ago, if you had described them to me, I might be like, well, that sounds like a bad person because I was coming from from Mormonism or from mm-hmm. being an ex-Mormon but still very much programmed in like this black and white way mm-hmm. of thinking about morality and about the world which is also very much a BPD thing that I explore in the book black and white thinking yeah and now I am able to see the world and people with so much more compassion and that's not to say that like I also feel like I am the most compassionate that I've ever been. And I'm also like the fiercest bitch I've ever been. Like, Mm, love that. Like, don't cross me. But Mm -hmm. like, that's self love. Like, yeah, like, I am just so good at setting boundaries now compared to how I used to be and just kind of not receiving criticism in a way that's like, oh, like my whole self worth depends on you liking me and like I really need to lean into that as I'm getting ready to release this book because I'm I'm gonna get feedback that's positive and negative Mm -hmm. and it's like I'm gonna have to figure out how to deal with that without falling apart and I feel like I I think she's got me for that Mm -hmm. wow that's I mean that's huge because I know so many creatives who can start like like it's easy for them to start but then they have issues with follow-through and managing all the emotions that come up um like what if somebody doesn't like it or what will how will this change my life will this make me ungrounded or whatever Mm -hmm. um what would you say has been something that's helped you carry through like that's kept you going i know you talked to i think aphrodite worship is a huge thing that's kept Mm -hmm. me going as a creative but what um what is something that kept you going through the ups and the downs and helped you really get to the finish line as a writer? Hmm. That's a good question. I think spite. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think yeah. spite was part of it. And it's not, I've never had people shit on my dreams, thankfully, mm-hmm. but I think in a lot of ways I've had myself shit on my dreams, you know? Definitely. And it's yeah. kind of like the spite of, I have not been working on, on this damn book on and off for eight years to not finish it mm-hmm. and then now that I've finished it uh, up to the point that it is because I'm currently revising mm-hmm. I haven't gotten this far to be too scared to let people read it and yeah. then I haven't gotten this far to have people read it and to pay for feedback from an editor and to put in all this work and time and money because self-publishing like Mm-hmm. there are expenses like an ISBN number to put on the back of the book is like $150 mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's wild. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I resonate with that with like building my business. Like I've paid for domains like multiple years in a row. I've like put in so mm-hmm. much effort. Like I've had this podcast since 2019 and like I will allow myself to have these temper tantrums where I'm like, that's it. That's the last one. And mm-hmm. then in like a month, I'm like, no, I'm going to keep going. It Like it really does feel like spite and like, but also something beyond that. I don't want a few people to think that I'm just like, well, I have to because I started it because I'm really good yeah. at quitting. As manifesting generators, as manifesting generators, we are so good at quitting. Like I we will love move to on. quit things. Yeah, and so like that just says something that you feel like there's like a, it feels like there's like a wind or like a current that you pick up on and you keep going, uh, and like yeah. it's just it holds you. And that's also how I feel about Aphrodite worship. Is like there's times when like it's hard, it's frustrating, you don't know if it's going anywhere, or like you're on a roll, you're on like a creative streak, and there's just like something holding you. Mm-hmm. And that's how it feels. Uh, and it doesn't have to just be with like Aphrodite, but in general, I think that that is like the deity that I would, if, if you're, if you're listening out there and you definitely resonate with all this, I would recommend that you'd start with Aphrodite. And I'm curious, Liz, what you would, if someone's like Aphrodite worship, what's that? I want all those things that you say you have. What would you tell, where would you tell someone to start? Oh, okay. So a way to start that's like really easy is to look up the Orphic hymn to Aphrodite because it just it gives you some of her epithets and there's this really beautiful image of like I think it's in the Orphic hymn that it talks about flowers bloomed wherever she stepped and then I would recommend the book Aphrodite it's a graphic novel and it's by I'm gonna look up the name of the author it's so good it's such a good like introduction to the mythology Mm mm-hmm yeah. And there's a whole series of them for all the Greek gods. And it's by George O'Connor. It's beautifully illustrated. And one of the things I loved about it is that it looks at this myth of Aphrodite and the apple that was for the fairest that she was fighting with Athena and Hera about. And it looks at it in a way that's so much more redemptive of her than I think that myth is sometimes presented where she's like, well, I don't want to have to compete for this I think that this is silly but then it gets into her motivation for for why I have to reread this because Mm -hmm. I'm forgetting it and also it's like really good but um that's such a low barrier of entry you can get from your library you can get it for Barnes and Noble Mm -hmm. um it says two dollars for the ebook at Barnes and Noble so that's what I would recommend because I I have a kindle I could put that on my kindle (laughs) yeah or my note, yeah. that's the Barnes & Noble one, is the nug. That's what mm-hmm. I have. Yeah. yeah. And cool. so I would recommend that book as a place to start. And if it resonates with you, then just, like, look up her myths and mm-hmm. and honestly read romance novels. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And for and a little recommendation I have to add on there is I have a playlist on TikTok called, oh, I think it's called Aphrodite. Or I think it's just called Aphrodite. I mean, you'll get mm-hmm. in there. You'll see it. Um, and it has all of all of my takes. And um, and I talk. I specifically talk more about the values around love, beauty, romance, mm-hmm. sensuality, etc. Um, I don't go into the the myth of Aphrodite or like the stories mm-hmm. and stuff of Aphrodite because there's just not enough time in the world. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, for anyone who wants to like get into just like where the hell do I start? as a as a embodiment practice like as a day-to-day stuff i have a lot of Mm -hmm. tips on my tiktok Um, it's so good 
Thank you. I, You're I, welcome. I'm so, I remember doing it and being like, back then when I was making those videos, I had like 500 followers on TikTok and I was like, nobody makes, nobody watches my TikTok. Nobody in my family knows that I'm on TikTok. So like, I'm just gonna make whatever the fuck I want. Whereas like Instagram and Facebook felt kind of more like your family sees this, so keep it professional. But like on TikTok, I was like, what the fuck ever. And <laughs> that's like where it went. And then uh, here we are. And I'm really glad that I did that. I remember just being like, I don't know what the hell is going on, yeah. but like I'm channeling something here. Um, so my last couple of questions, I'm really curious about if you want to share details or what changed in you or what kind of breakthroughs you had in our coaching session that we had, um, that you talked about at the beginning of this episode. Um, if there's any, like what came up, what was it like? What has happened since then? Mm-hmm. Um, what was your experience? So the thing that I remember the most was that you gave me this very concrete suggestion of, well, you can do what we did recently together and you can do market research and Mm -hmm. just like having one-on-one conversations with people about dating and their relationships, because I got married really young. I'm Mm -hmm. happily married and I did not have as many dating experiences as the characters that I write about or the characters yeah, I read I, about. Yeah. So I had to give myself permission to be curious about what relationships look like in the real world for people outside of myself and be willing to be vulnerable about the fact that like, I am not an expert on like all the different permutations of love to really like become a student of love. Mm. And also to just, I got from the session to like allow myself to flow more with the creative journey and to like take it in whatever steps I break it down into as many steps as I needed to mm-hmm. where I, I was really struggling with discipline and like sitting down to write. And I think that after we talked, I stopped thinking as much about, like, writing as this, like, big drag and more as, like, what am I trying to do with this book? Um, I want to mention the show Crazy Ex-Girlfriend because I started writing this book before I finished the book or before I finished that show, before Mm -hmm. it ended, and... But the show is a huge influence in how, in the audience that I want to reach in the book. Like the book resonate, the show resonated with me as like, what she's doing with the show, that's exactly what I'm trying to do with this book. Cool. And it's about a woman who, spoilers, um, she gets diagnosed in the last season, second to last season with borderline personality disorder. And you see her journey up to that point and after that point and whatever hot mess she was and then how she was still messy in recovery mm-hmm. and even when she thought like oh well I'm I'm doing so much better she still couldn't make a relationship work because she realized that she really needed to figure out who the hell she was not just mm-hmm. being okay but like being okay with who she was and knowing that and it was such a wholehearted compassionate funny vibrant show and I think that I've become open through conversations with people like you to realizing like my book can do that for someone there's someone out there who this book is going to need I hope 
this book is going to mean something to them. It's going to reveal something about themselves to them. It's going to help them make sense of some aspect of their life or relationships. So thinking about the why is something that I took away from our conversation. Mm, mm-hmm. Like why you, why, like what carries you, you know? Yeah. Does yeah. that, does that sound like anything we talked about or is this like, I'm, I'm making it up. It no. Okay. Like- so you're not making it up, but one thing that I love and adore and just cherish so deeply about my coaching sessions is that mm. sometimes I, I feel like, okay, I'm going to focus on helping this person with this thing and I'm going to give them advice or I almost hardly give advice. I usually just like ask really good questions, like Mm -hmm. hold space. And then they kind of figure, hence like my whole mission, be your own muse. It's like, that's, that's my mission is I'm not going to tell you the answer, but sometimes I'm like, okay, I help this person with that. And then like what comes out the other end for the person is something totally different. And that's what I love Mm -hmm. about it. Like I can, I can never predict, almost never predict or control like, what lands for people and it's just like it's like a painting to me it's like you start and then it becomes this like beautiful framed masterpiece uh and I'm so glad that you got that value out of it because as an artist as a creative type as a writer I think that that is like I think that overcoming the like burnout or the like like nearing burnout you can always feel when Mm -hmm. you're getting close to like burnout like what this feels like you said it didn't feel like it was resonating it didn't like your your book before you made some changes Mm -hmm. um wasn't resonating and I just like I'm so I'm so grateful um, yeah for for every second um and I'm grateful for you oh shucks (laughs) (laughs) yeah I that was one of my favorite most memorable sessions of that year for sure um what okay so someone's like I want to write a book you I listened to this podcast Liz you're amazing I I am my muse has been awakened I want to write a book what would you tell them of course there's like so many nuances (laughs) yeah but they are so lit up by your energy because I know that you're very infectious energy you're very knowledgeable very accomplished very accomplished because I've always wanted to write a book um what would you say to that person where would you tell them to start where would you tell them to channel their excitement okay so first I would say Maybe I wouldn't say don't make the mistakes that I made because if I hadn't made the mistakes, I don't think the Mm. book would be what it is now. But I would say, like, figure out your story and, like, why you want to write it. And you don't have to, like, don't waste a ton of time on outlining and overthinking it. But an outline is helpful. Mm -hmm. Set for yourself, like, okay, I kind of have a framework of what I want to do. And then just allow yourself to play in that definitely if you want to read write a book read in the genre that you're writing read Mm -hmm. outside of the genre that you're writing just be a sponge for as much information and creativity and I found my voice so naturally Mm -hmm. just by like absorbing how so many other people write and then being like okay what do I want to say and then love that just like slowly it became like I feel like one thing that I got from my friends is, yeah, I, if you hadn't told me that you wrote this book, I would be like, did Liz write this book? Mm. Because it sounds like me. Um, I, that was going to be my big, big question is like, how did you feel like you found your voice and your flow as a writer? Because that's like, that, that answered my question. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> I think just realizing the types of voices that resonated with me, which was like, 
I like a mix of very formal and very much like Gen Z slang. And you'll see that I'm like, like me as a third person narrator is almost very present in the book. Like I almost want it to be a character in my own book with the way that I talk. Like I mm-hmm. shade my characters so much. Like I'm in their heads in a way that's very like, yeah, but like, are you sure that mm. you want to do that? Um, I don't know how to explain it. It makes sense to me when I read back what I've written. I think I know. Like, it's like a third person, but like not totally impartial. Like, yeah, <laughs> like you're you're given a little a little sass or a little opinion with the way that you're the way your characters are behaving is what yeah. I'm picking up. Okay, cool. With uh, it being like overtly a narrator, like I have, I am the voice in my characters' heads that is judging them. Like, you have that voice okay. in your head yeah. that's, like, looking at what you're doing. Like, I'm being a fucking idiot right now. <laughs> I am that voice in the characters' heads. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Um, so where, if someone wants to, fo- someone such as myself, wants to follow along with where, when your book will be published and how they can get their hands on it, um, how, how would we proceed with that journey of finding you and your book? Okay. Proceeding with the journey of finding me and my book, I am on instagram and as l diaz romance so e l l e d i a z romance so i'm there on instagram and twitter and my podcast is called make out already and you can find it on all platforms where make out already pod on instagram and that's a good place to find us and make out underscore already on twitter because make out already pod was already taken by some rando oh my god um and uh yeah so you can follow me along those places i'm going to post the cover this weekend july 31st and then announce the release date sometime later and meg and i update make out already once a week so you can hear about it there and i talk about it quite a lot i talk meg's ear off meg was one of the people who read the book and i'm glad that she liked it because like i said she definitely acknowledges being the more critical of the two (laughs) of us awesome i that's okay a lot of great places to get started in your world for sure um last question is what does be your own muse mean to you Mm. i think that be your own muse to me means seeing your life as worthy of worship (laughs) woohoo love that i love i love that i was like on the edge of my seat <laughs> i didn't know what was gonna come out of my mouth but i feel like that works that's why i never tell people when i'm gonna ask them that because i want to yeah. know and like the answers that different people i interview give are all like yes you nailed it but they're always so different you know what i mean like like, like the words they say are different nobody ever says something similar mm-hmm. but the premise is the same and that's when i know that there's a movement starting so awesome yeah. <laughs> awesome well Thank you so much, Liz. Thank uh, you, Katie. This was fucking awesome. And I, yeah, okay. Everybody go follow Liz. Go follow Liz and Megan. And I cannot wait for this book to come out. <laughs> Thank you so much. I will absolutely make sure that you get a copy. Okay, sweet. All right. That's all we have for today. Thank you. Mwah. Mwah. <laughs>